Welcome to Nifty Thinking, where conventional marketing wisdom gets a reality check. I'm your host, Kevin Simcock. For over 25 years, I've shaped the world's most iconic Fortune 500 brands. I'm sharing everything that I know on how to turn average brands into legends using creativity and human design. If you want to transform your brand and impact millions, you're in the right place. We're taking a new approach to building brands, and it all starts with some nifty thinking. Welcome to Nifty Thinking. Today's episode is all about the power of value and the role that value plays in shaping your brand, determining your pricing, and attracting your ideal customers. Now, I believe the value is what consumers want, but they aren't always able to identify what value really is. And in marketing and advertising, value is an overused buzzword. We think we know what value means, but do we? So how do we define value? Well, value is the worth or usefulness of something, a product or a service. It's also a person's judgment of what is important to them. And the thing is, we all see value in our own way. You may define value as it specifically relates to you, while others may also see that same value, but for different reasons that align to them. Most people define value both emotionally and rationally, which kind of begs the question, how does emotion play into our perception of value? Well, I believe we're all emotional decision makers. Most of us are just unaware of it. For example, if a person buys a product or a service that they believe is of quality and they pay a reasonable price for it, they emotionally feel like they receive value. That value makes them feel good. And Costco is a great example of this. When you go into Costco and you buy four kilograms of Kraft peanut butter for $10, you're thinking to yourself, what a great deal. I mean, you also have to ask yourself, do you really need four kilograms of peanut butter? But that's besides the point. And I've never seen people so excited to go shopping than the people at Costco. And if you ever watched anyone in Costco, whether they're going into Costco or leaving Costco, They have a big smile on their face because they're like, look at all the great deals I got. Look at all this value, this massive amount of stuff that I have for reasonable prices. So people want to feel good emotionally about the purchase decisions they make. Because we all know that bad feeling we get when we feel like we were either taken advantage of, taken for a ride, or paid too much for something. But what is really driving that emotion behind our purchase decision? Why is finding a deal so important to some people? And what emotions are at play during a purchase decision? And this is something that I am really intrigued about. And I believe it all depends on the individual consumer's life and their circumstance. Maybe the reason a person defines value as being low cost or bargain 
is because they have a lack mindset towards money. The emotional fear of not having enough money drives the need for cheaper products or services. The emotions that they feel due to the lack of money forces value to be defined as lower quality that is cheap and affordable. To them, the most valuable thing isn't quality. It's the ability to avoid the emotions associated with overspending. And in business, this can also be a similar mindset. A business owner's emotional belief of being unequal or inferior to their competitors can result in low sales, low cash flow, smaller budgets, which ultimately impact the decisions in their business. Their perception of their own value or lack thereof can stagnate a company and prevent it from growing. And likewise, the opposite can be true. If a business has an emotional belief that the value they offer is greater than anyone in the, in the marketplace and against any of their competitors, and they charge a premium for it, but consumers don't see that value, the company can also be in the same situation with low sales, low cash flow, or cash flow problems, and that in return impacts their ability to make decisions in their business. So the emotional drivers behind perceived value play an important role in the outcome. And so there always needs to be a balance between the value you believe you deliver and the perceived value of your consumers. Which begs another question, how does price really impact your value as a brand? If you ask most people how they define value, most of them will relate it to quality, craftsmanship, materials or ingredients, expertise, and then ultimately price. The more expensive something is, the more perceived value something has. And we've all experienced this. But I believe the determining factor for value is something different. I believe it's authenticity. And let me explain. Why do you think a Picasso painting is worth millions, but yet a reprint is only worth hundreds? It's the same content. It's the same image. What makes a Rolex worth tens of thousands and a knockoff only worth hundreds? Yeah, of course, the answer is real gold and diamonds. But that's why I believe authenticity is the real measurement of value. A real Rolex gets validated for its authenticity based on its craftsmanship and its genuine materials. No one validates the authenticity of a Rolex by saying, oh, it's real because it took 450 hours to create it. A real Picasso gets validated for its authenticity because of the original techniques that are used to paint it, the signature that's on it, and other details. No one validates the authenticity of a Picasso by saying, it's valuable and it's original because it took six months to paint it. 
which begs another question. Why is time and materials used to determine the value of most services? I believe a brand's authenticity is its most valuable asset. So many businesses use time and materials to set their price without any consideration of the value given to the end consumer. Understanding the true cost for delivering a product or a service is important because you have to recoup that cost. So you need to understand how much it costs to produce or, or to deliver something. But you also should consider the value your product or service offers to the consumers. More importantly, you also have to consider how your consumers perceive your value. If your product or service solves a minor insignificant problem for people, then the value will probably be perceived as being low. But if you solve major issues and offer transformative solutions, then your value will be much higher. Now the catch to this is even if you believe your product or service adds significant value to someone's life, if your target audience doesn't see it as being significant, your value is insignificant. Now there's a few things to unpack there. This only holds true if you're talking to the right people. This only holds true if you know exactly the target audience and you've got to defined. Their response to your value is going to be crucial. And I believe the key to growth is combining the true cost of your product and service and its value. Because knowing your value means knowing your true worth. And those who see your value will pay your price. And that brings me to another question. How do you grow your business while staying true to your worth? When you offer something of great value, everyone will want it. But not everyone will be able to afford it. And this is a tricky situation. When sales are down and there are people who want your product or service, but they only want it if you will discount your price, what do you do? This is a situation a lot of businesses will find themselves in at some point because the ebbs and flows of business will eventually bring you to a point where you have a slump in sales. So then you have to decide, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to lower your costs? Or are you going to offer another product or service at a lower cost to help offset low sales. And I think you can take a page from Ferrari's playbook on this. The Ferraris of the world hardly ever have to deal with this problem because they never discount. The price is the price. They know the vast majority of people can't afford their cars. And they're okay with that because they know who their core target consumer is and they don't waver from that. So how does a brand like Ferrari grow and maintain market share? Well, production control. They limit the amount of cars that they produce every year. So that maintains a balance between supply and demand. Price control. Their cars go up every year. They don't go down in price. 
And because there's a limited quantity of them, it just keeps that price control in check. And most importantly, they know their target consumer inside and out. Now they target multimillionaires and billionaires who are diehard enthusiasts. That's an easy word to say. And these enthusiasts have an insatiable desire for quality, for craftsmanship, and their own identity. They see value that Ferrari offers and they're willing to pay for it. Now, Ferrari also caters to a global audience. And they do this by offering merchandise with the Ferrari brand and logo on it. So you might not be able to afford a Ferrari car, but you can afford a Ferrari hat, a Ferrari jacket, a Ferrari sweater, and that allows Ferrari to appeal to a larger audience because in the hopes of someday, they might be able to afford one of their cars. If people aren't willing to pay the price that you set for your product or service based on your proven value that you offer, and that's the key there, you have to have proven value. You can't just say you're the best in the world without any kind of validation to it. But if people aren't willing to pay the price for your proven value, you're either targeting the wrong people or you haven't proven the value. And this is why it's critical to identify who exactly your target audience is and the value you offer to them and the value that they are looking for. So when sales are low, yeah, it's hard to stay the course and not discount your product or service. And some brands get around this by offering limited time deals or offering low option products or services that caters to a broader audience. And most brands will have an entry level product or service as well, in addition to their higher price products or services to appease again this wider audience. There is no right or wrong way to how you structure the growth of your business. It all depends on how you want to position your brand in the marketplace and the right growth strategy for your business. So to help you make the right decisions for your business, I suggest going deeper with audience segmentation. Get a deeper understanding of who your ideal customer really is and a deeper understanding of what your authenticity is. Because the economy has changed drastically in the last few years. Customers' beliefs are ever-changing and the career paths and corporate culture are currently being redefined. E-commerce and AI are changing the way businesses operate and scale. Customers are more educated and savvier to marketing practices than ever before. They want authentic brands in their life. Brands that align to their specific identity, their specific values, and how they see the world. And now more than ever, social media has empowered individuals to become beacons for attention, beacons for influence, and increased purchasing power. And in some cases, individuals have more power than most global brands. And in this new economy, defining your authenticity and over-delivering value is the blueprint for building a thriving brand. Well, that's today's episode. 
I hope this gives you some interesting insights and ways that you can unlock the authenticity and the real value of your brand. And as always, if you have any questions about what we talked about today or if you need help with your next project, please just drop me an email. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Be sure to come back for more information, insights, and strategies on how to build an authentic brand and creatively market your business right here on Nifty Thinking.